Turned on the recorder, huh? Okay, now that we've disclosed when the second coming will be, let's move on to the next point. But don't tell anybody the date I just gave you. Oh, we forgot to turn the microphone on. Darn. Okay, so here comes the opposition. And some of this you've heard. Remember, they set up a... Uh, in Colesville, they want to do some baptizing. They build a dam. They dam up one of the rivers. They're all set to do the baptism. They come in and somebody's broken the dam and let the water out. So then they've got to come back and do it again and do it early in the morning before these guys could stop them. Um, they, there's constant mischief uh, afoot. Uh, and it just keeps kind of getting worse. They start... Like piling logs in the middle of the night in front of people's doors so they can't get out. Um, and overturning wagons and letting horses out of stalls and, and things like that. Trying to somehow discourage that. None of that is working. And it, it keeps escalating to the point uh, Joseph is then, he and Sidney will go up to Colesville right after he meets Sidney Rignitz, like when they're first missions together. Uh, they'll be arrested, uh, acquitted. Uh, because Joseph Knight gets an attorney and gets them off, and then they're arrested again. And, and that didn't work, and so now what we're about to find out is that there was a, uh, a plot underway to kill uh, Joseph and uh, Joseph Knight and Sidney Rigdon. No, we're not in Cock County yet. Yeah. This is still in Colesville. Okay. Alright, so that said, that's what I want to talk about today. Let's, let's turn to section 38. Alright. Okay, somebody got verse 13? Yeah. 
And we're going to get more of that one in, in a minute because there is a lot of conspiring even now. But again, it has to be done secretly. It's got to be subtly. Okay? When else? Pretty famous one. Yeah. The New Yeah, in other words, we can't be open about it. We're going to do it privately, secretly. How do we trip him up? That's ah, not working. Let's try something else. Ah, that's not working. So how, when, and where, and how are we going to go in and actually get him? And they start looking for those moments. Oh, the word's gone out that he's kind of quietly He's over there in the Garden of Gethsemane. We can come in in the middle of the night and grab him, and the crowds won't know. These crowds, two days later, were all lining the streets, uh, separating separating the Feast of Tabernacles six months early at Passover because the king was arriving. Okay? So there's one. How about the, how about in church history? Was there a plot to kill Joseph in 1844? There was. And, and, and they swore on, on their blood that they would drink his blood. There's a whole series of stories there. The boys that went to hear it. And they were told that if they told anybody, they would be made into catfish meat. Uh, meaning chopped up little pieces and thrown in Mississippi. And that was done by the, the uh, former first member of the first presidency. Yeah, William Law. Yeah, so so this is this has been this is the way Satan works is in secret. That's one of the reasons why I think it's funny when we're with the temple we're talking about secrecy, and and I know that uh, yesterday my job as a high counselor was to say okay we're making a change in the Plano State Young Women's Presidency, and my job was to make sure that I stood up in front of the sacrament meeting and said we've made the change. All those who you know we're going to let you know you can. In one way, we're just saying, okay, vote of thanks, that's sort of it. The other part is, we're being very public about what it is that we do. And then if we're going to call a new bishop, here's the new bishop, and then we're sustained. Everybody knows. We're going to call, we're going to get somebody to know Catholic priesthood. What happens? Everybody knows. The opposite to that, of course, is the secrecy. Um, now, I want, you have to kind of look at this carefully because the Lord, the Lord in, this, in this revelation is going to give you this line. I will show you a mystery, a thing which has been had in secret chambers. Then he's going to digress for about ten verses. And he's going to, he's going to get this whole other thing because you'd kind of like to know what? what was the, what's the secret chamber thing? What is that? Well, you're going to have to follow the digression because it's going to flow... 14, 15, 16. Uh, it's a land of promise. Flowing, and there's, there's great doctrine there. We're going to come back to it. Uh, and he's going to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. He's going to give you a parable. We'll talk about that one in a second. Tw uh, 28. He's going to go from 13 to 28. Just a digression there. So the next, really the verse after 13 is 28. Talking about this thing. Does that make sense? Okay. And again. Whenever the Lord says again, that means... Listen up. Again I say unto you that the enemy in the secret chamber seeketh your life. 29. Ye hear of wars in far countries. 
And you say that there will soon be great wars in far countries, but ye know not the hearts of man in your own land. I wish we could somehow get our youth to get this. They do not know the hearts of men in their own land and how they're being plotted against and how things are carefully marketed and put together in such a way to pull them in and to suck them in so that things look one way but the purpose is completely different. Okay? Uh, now, the question is, if... if Satan is plotting against us in secret chambers, and this is really us as well as it was for them. How do you escape? Has the Lord prepared a way for our escape? Yes. Okay. Wouldn't it be nice to know what that is? Okay. Well, he's about to give it to us, isn't he? I tell you these things because of your prayers. Therefore, now listen closely. This is part of that uh, hold on. Let's do this. Forget I just said that. <laughs> Hop down to the last line in 30. Because I want to work. Because that is the key phrase and everything works off of that. That makes sense? Okay. Because the key phrase is, if you are prepared, you shall not fear. Right? Don't we know that in the church? Yeah. And it's all about what? It's right. Who's orange? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Because we, we get caught up in, in if you are prepared, you shall not fear, and that means more weak. What I need you to hear is that, that has been, it works at that level, and that's part of the purpose of this, but as originally intended, uh, this sort of is going to have something to do with food storage in a second, but it has everything to do with preparing for what? To be protected from wickedness and from the evil men in secret chambers that are plotting against you and you don't know what they've got in mind. This is preparation for to be safe from their machinations, from those things that they're going to look to do to you. Does that make sense? So in this context, it has nothing to do with wheat. That will be later. But so, you can say, if you're prepared, you shall not fear. Because, by the way, if I said to you, you know, there's somebody plotting against you. And you're not just paranoid, it's really true. It's going to happen. Here it comes. And it's going to be bad. What would you do? Yeah, it's like... Man, I'm not quite sure. And that's what I think that's kind of what he's saying here. Yeah. I figure the Lord is going to know that you I need to know if there's guys out there that want to hurt me or hurt my family or to pull them off in the forbidden paths, I want to know. That's why I say if you are prepared, you won't have to fear. So let's talk about what that preparation is. Okay? Now, that's what starts in 30. I tell you these things that there's things going on. Uh, wherefore, here comes the first key. How are you going to prepare to fend off or to spot or to be safe from or to flee wickedness? What's the first thing? 
treasure. Isn't that okay? You think the Lord just like throws out words? <laughs> Is this great? He's saying, okay, read and remember and obey the scriptures. What's he saying? Treasure. Tre <laughs> Did a timeout? Treasure in your heart, the word uh, in your bosoms. Does that give you an image? Wow. Tre love, gather, savor, treasure in your bosoms. Uh, lest the wickedness of man. Now, this is a weird phrase. Listen closely to the phrasing on this. Because I've read this three or four times and I'm like, what? Lest, if you don't treasure, lest the wickedness of men reveal these things unto you by their wickedness in a manner which shall speak in your ears with a voice louder than that which shall shake the earth. <coughs> Somebody say that in different words. Lest the wickedness of men reveal these things unto you by their wickedness in a manner which shall speak in your ears with a voice louder than that which shall shake the earth. It would be loud. Okay. Okay, what about the avalanche of wickedness? Mobs would be kind of in there. Okay. I think if you don't learn truth, then when you hear wickedness or when you hear false things, that will overwhelm you and, and that's what you believe is the falseness. False yeah. things from a lot of people. The numbers of wickedness is increasing. Yes, it is. And? Addiction. Those are ways to get our attention. And another thing, when the Moses was, you know, after the, you know, heavenly, uh, Jesus Christ showed up after that, the Satan came and the loud voices yes. shake up the earth. He did shake, and, and the voice says, the Lord says, I will shake the earth. Okay. Satan's voice was, he shook the earth at that time. Yeah, exactly. Is that she, what she said? Okay. Unless you're grounded in the truth of what you believe in so forth, and these lies that these people are coming in to tell you will destroy your faith. And not only that, look at what's going to happen. The wickedness of men will reveal these. If you didn't know that they were happening, the wickedness will be so loud and so powerful, so powerful that it will shake the earth more even than sometimes the other things that shake the earth. That's another thing. Yeah? Well, to me, it just the way it says it'll speak in your ears, it just, to me, that makes me think that it'll appeal to you. It'll make it seem appealing and speak to you in a way. Ah, there's another way of looking at it, that that wickedness will hear that wickedness and they'll reveal themselves. But I think sometimes we talk about that wickedness will be revealed. It will finally come out of secret chambers. And those who know what they're listening for will go, Oh, wait a minute. I know what that is. I was thinking it could shake your faith. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're not having the correct understanding. Their wicked words will just... I mean, it's really easy. And all you have to do is listen to the talk shows and the, you know, the news. It's, it, 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 can, it can shake you, can it? 
uh, and that's why it's going to come after this. It's like as scary as this is going to be, because you will know this is it. And he says, but if you're prepared, you won't fear because you'll know what this is. You'll recognize it. You'll see it. I think of those that have perhaps been in the church for a long time or all their life even and testimony, but it's not strong enough to overpower some of the influences that are out there right now teaching false doctrine and teaching things that are against Mormons and all of a sudden they're going, oh, well, maybe, maybe this isn't right. I should go here. Ah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think too. The, the thing is saying up there, first of all, is treasure of wisdom. Meaning that you'll know when you hear these things they're not true. So part of what you're treasuring is is that if we know what is true and what is false, and specifically if we know how to recognize the power of the Spirit, so that we're able to discern. That's why I keep saying over and over, our families, and especially our youth, the most important thing that they ever need to know is to recognize when they have trouble, that they're confident to go to the Lord, that they know how to get an answer, that they know what their answer looks like, that they trust that answer, and that they learn to follow it. That's the power chain to me. It comes, I, I have confidence to go to Him, oh, I know I heard it, because I recognize that, and I have the confidence to follow what I was told, and I follow through, and I know that it was the Lord that told me. I can handle almost anything at that point if I have that powerful chain. Yeah? I'm just thinking, you know, it talks about the voice that shall shake the earth. You know that the Heavenly Father said, I'll shake the earth with my voice. Yeah. So perhaps the voice that's louder than that is causing us to not even be able to hear. Oh, I like that one too. That so sometimes. You know, I was thinking about the other day, I was, I was online, I look at a site, it was like a news site or something like that, and up comes a pop-up ad. And it's kind of like, no, don't read that, pay attention to me, bye, bye me, bye, 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 really, really, really. And you know, it's got flashing lights and everything, really, 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 really. And you're trying to go, where's the close thing on this one so I can get rid of this. And, and I think evil is doing that that says, it should be still small voice and evil's going, really, 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 no, 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 don't listen to that, don't listen to that. Yeah? By the way, your screen is off up there. It'll go on in a second. Okay. Um, when I, when it comes to that, the people in secret chambers in it, it's talks about shaking, shaking the world. Yeah. Because it 
so on. And that's probably, if this was modern day, that might have been the phrase that he would use that they would understand. Okay, yeah. My thought is, if I think about this shaking the world, my thought is confusion. Sometimes we, you know, we know the truth, but sometimes we get mixed up when we hear everything else. And we start thinking, what really is right? Do I really know the truth? And yeah. part of that treasury of yes. is studying and staying close to it so that we remember. And that's the purpose of the scripture, to tell us uh, remember what like we already that. know. And you know where that's especially true? You know where that's especially true is, is when, uh, and we've talked about it before, when, when we have new members of the church or people that, that are kind of spiritually, uh, uh, not immature, but... Uh, they're babes. Yeah, and you're going to go online and you don't know the purpose behind a website. And it's going to be out there trying to say, this is what Mormons believe and this is what, who Joseph Smith really was. And without knowing that conspiring thought behind... The idea is to mess with your faith and get you out of that or uh, for whatever that agenda is. Uh, great point. Okay, so here, here's the deal. Verse 31, don't we want that one? And that you might escape the power of the enemy. So there's an enemy in chambers. It's going to be pretty scary. You're going to know the full wickedness. They're plotting against you. If you're prepared, you won't fear. So let me tell you how to prepare Okay. Uh, for this, wherefore, for this cause, I gave unto you the commandment that ye should go to the Ohio. The reason for this revelation was the fact that in, in the, the section before, the Lord had revealed for the first time you're supposed to gather in Kirkland. You're supposed to go to the Western Reserve, which was a which was a reserve of land. Uh, reserved for uh, Pennsylvania. They call it the Western Reserve. And part of that was Kirtland. It was the Ohio area. And the Lord had said, okay, now you're supposed to go to the Ohio. What do you think the response was from those newbies in that church? What? I got land. We've been here forever. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Fayette or, or Harmony or Colesville. Are you out of your mind? And it's in the middle of winter. Go to the Ohio. And there was quite a split between those that were like, I'm not quite sure. And, and that's why it is that the Lord is having to say, let me explain to you why it is you have to go to the Ohio. First of all, they're enemies in secret chambers. They're plotting for you. It's about to get bad. It hasn't happened quite yet. But it's about to, so I'm going to do this to save your life. Uh, and part of it was, he says, Wherefore, for this cause I gave unto commandment, you should go to the Ohio, and there I will give unto you my law. You're going to get the law and, and the endowment. And he's going to say, and there you will be endowed with power. Secret chambers, they're plotting, treasure up. Here's what you need to treasure. Go to the Ohio and gather. And this is the way, here's the pattern here, brothers and sisters. The, the Lord's pattern is with these kind of things. If you're going to be plotted against, if you're going to be attacked, the Lord is going to give you information and knowledge, and that knowledge will require that you do what? Gather. Gather. 
You know, I can be as spiritual as anybody uh, at my cabin at the lake. I can take my family and be out in the woods and be as close to God as any, as any of those hypocrites sitting in that church. I don't need that stuff. And the Lord is saying the purpose for our meetings is to gather. Because when we gather, this is where He does two things. He's going to give you His law, the commandments, and He's going to endow you with power. power. To do what? To withstand the adversary. To know where to go, what to do, and to be, and not fear. No, no wonder those that are in the lakes and not willing to come to meetings in the last days, it says their heart, the, the hearts of men will do what? Fail them. Why? Because they never gather. We were talking about last year about the, the you know, the, here comes the Savior to, to a Bountiful, and people are in awe of, of here's the Savior, and He blessed our kids, and we heard an, amazing things, and we saw angels. What an incredible experience. Wow. And what about those people that were living like 30 miles away who didn't gather? Imagine those in the middle of the night. You know, here comes a knock at the door going, Jesus Christ came today. I didn't hear anything about it. I know, you weren't at Passover at the temple. Well, yeah, we were busy. Yes, yeah, so some people died, but there were a number of people. Remember, they travel all night long to like. Let's pull in our relative. I told I told my cousins that they should come, but they were they were too busy doing other things. And what you missed was what happens when you gather. Kids get blessed, and laws are given, and power is given to you, and strengthening, and you don't fear. And those way outside all of that didn't get a chance to hear any of that. Okay, so this is this is part of that experience. So I will give you my law. So here's here's the three things. Then, if you're going to be strengthened, this is how it always works, right? You're going to get the law, then you're going to get empowered, and then what do you do? From thence, from the Ohio, whithersoever I shall go. Uh, whosoever uh, I shall in other words those I send shall go forth among all nations and it shall be told them what they should do those who have been gathered are empowered and then they empower we go out to teach uh, to everybody around us Okay, does that make sense? okay so, there's a couple of things we're doing here to talk about how, how do we escape? Yeah. So here is, if we go back to 31 and 32, oh, no, we went here, okay. Okay, so how else do we escape? Because today is all about escaping. Escaping from all those evil things that are kind of coming our way. 
Now I want you to turn to verses 23 to 27. Because now we're going to go back into that middle part. Because he was telling you about the secret chambers. Here's the information in between those two things. Okay? 22. Hear my voice and follow me and ye shall be a free people. You shall have no laws but my laws, for I am your lawgiver, and what can stay my hand? Guys, go to Ohio. Quit dragging your feet. I know it's cold, but go anyway. Yeah? I, I'm also sort of going to make sure I need to send them all to Salt Lake right away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not? Isn't that a great question? And if it's like, you know, rather than run them through Ohio and Missouri and Illinois and Winter Quarter, why don't we just go ahead and go to Salt Lake in the first place? Because the Lord does things in increment steps. I mean, there's certain learning and faith that had to be developed. And plus, before, before they did that, plus it's like when you're kind of down to the last straw, then you think, yeah. There's, we might as well leave because there's, you know, I mean, they've been kicked from place to place to place and finally go, okay, we've had enough of this. Let's go somewhere but, else. But if the Lord, it's, it's almost like, you know, when people come to me and say, how come my husband's now divorcing me after all of these years? How, why didn't he just tell me originally he was going to divorce me and then I wouldn't have had to go through the marriage and the heartbreak in the first place? And wouldn't it make sense to just go straight to Salt Lake to begin with? But uh, Jesus Christ said that all the experience will going to be benefit for us. Because of the experiences that they would have to go through? Yeah. Also, um, the appointed uh, land of promise in yes. Missouri. Right. And, and they were directed to go there. Right. And they weren't, they weren't ready to inherit it because they weren't worthy. And so they moved on. But I Even when they got there, they turned out that they weren't ready for that. But, but there's a lesson in that for the future time. Okay, now here's what he's saying. 
Now, if you're going to, the enemy is plotting, you're going to be prepared. Now, in between this section, he's going to tell you how, how to prepare. In order to prepare to go to the Ohio and get the law and the power. Okay? Verily I say unto you, teach one another according to the office wherewith I have appointed you. Now, that means that you're supposed to act within your callings, right? I want you to substitute that word calling with gifts. I want you to act within your gifts wherein I have appointed you. Now I know, because you end up in my office from time to time, I, I know the, the consternation that happens when, when they're going to announce, hey, we're having the War Talent Night next month. Which basically is a reminder to a whole lot of people that what? I have no talent. I got nothing to offer because I can't play the piano and I can't sing. Okay? It's probably good enough on the air conditioning. You can probably turn that on. Everybody's disappearing. Well, you guys want to hit the button over there? Thank you. Oh, no, See, you know why? I'm feeling good. And then I know if I'm feeling good, you guys are freezing. So. Okay. So, so we get bound up in this idea that I don't have any talents. Do you have gifts? What kind of gifts are we talking about? Okay. Patience. Patience. It can be so, you know, it could be compassion and empathy. Yes. Or it could be flexibility. Or it could be routines. For different people, different gifts offer them different strengths. Yes. Isn't that, isn't that great? Well, we had our, uh, we had our uh, fireside last night, uh, and some of us were up front singing. But other people were in back getting the brownies ready and setting up tables and stuff like that. That was critical to a to, to a great experience. It's about brownies, right? <laughs> Duh. And he's saying, see, if you're if you're if you look at the full gamut of what your gifts are in terms of compassion or love or a listening ear or uh, uh, an ability to organize or whatever that is. And he says, act in, if you're beginning to be prepared, because what's going to happen is we're going to gather you together. Now, when we gather that, has certain ups and downsides to it, right? What if, if we're going to gather people into a war, we're going to gather personalities together, we're going to put them all in one room, and get along. Can't you all just get along? Okay? And part of that, if we're going to do that, first of all, in order for us, within an organization, whether it's Relief Society or a ward or a stake or a family, 
what do we have to do? He says, if we're going to be prepared for what's coming, the first thing we have to do is teach one another according to our gifts and callings. Use your spiritual endowments, which may be a listening ear. When somebody's really struggling and they're having a hard time, they may not need somebody playing the piano beautifully in front of them. They may not need somebody singing great songs to them. The most important thing that happens to them is somebody willing to take the time to hold their hand and listen to them and be there with them. What beautiful spiritual gift and it wouldn't be known. That's a calling that you're acting in. And very quietly being done in a beautiful sort of way that made all the difference but wouldn't capture capture anything in a journal or anything like that. Yeah. I think also we need to look at ourselves and see what situations we find ourselves in often. Because I think Heavenly Father puts us in situations to help us grow so that we'll be prepared for the situations that He needs us in later. Yeah. Two examples real quick. When we just had our trek this last week, our lady who did the food because we had the food brought in instead of cooking our own food. 20 years ago, went to school to learn how to feed large groups. And wow. she did it phenomenally. She was able to feed, I don't know, like 500, 600 people within a 20-minute period of time. Amazing. And she had that experience, and I think Heavenly Father gift gave her that gift in town. Yeah. And now she's able to use it. I don't know, 20 years ago, it was so that the kids could have yeah. an amazing building, faith building And it wouldn't necessarily show up on more talent life. No. <laughs> My talent is going to be, I'm going to quickly organize food for 500 people, and then you go, wow, yeah, that was really good. What do you say to people, um, especially some women that I know, they feel like the structure of the church sort of squashes, but they feel they have their talents? Yeah, I know. Sometimes those things aren't necessarily recognized. And that because they're women, that's not valued in them, but they are the gifts they've been given, and that the whole patriarchal structure keeps that behind the scenes, and they feel squashed. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> uh, I bet you do. Because uh, we just read it yesterday. And I'm not going to, you bet, I'm not, I'm, you watch, I want, I'm not going to find it. Well, maybe I will. There you go. Ah, uh, there we go. Bingo! In that one. From Hamburg. Council members are encouraged to speak honestly, both from their personal experience and from their positions as organizational leaders. 
Both men and women should feel that their comments are valued as full participants. The bishop seeks input from Relief Society, young women, and primary leaders in all matters considered by the ward council. The viewpoint of women is sometimes different from that of men, and it adds essential perspective to understanding and responding to members' needs. And I just read a talk from in 1998, I think, from Miller Scott, where he's talking about, I don't want to be insensitive here, but some of us, if we bring cultural differences into the church, and some of those cultures involve putting down women and seeing them as less than, and it's more of a patriarchal top-down, and we need to look at men and women as equals, and you're going to, you might need to change your culture to make sure that you're an equal with your wife. And I hope I didn't offend anybody, he says, but that's what it is. Yeah. I think some of the beauty of gathering is that we also learn to recognize our strengths. We also understand what our weaknesses are and appreciate the fact that the other people have the strengths that make up more weaknesses and that kind of goes together. Right. And my other comment with her, as far as that was about playing squash, and I think sometimes letting God bless us up with strengths. That doesn't necessarily mean that every time there's leadership calling that we would be there because really that's nothing we have about the church. So keep your call to positions to let us learn and help everybody to have the opportunity. Yeah. So even though we may feel that we have those gifts and talents, the nice thing is we can share them without having to be in those comments. <coughs> oh, I like that. And some because sometimes the most powerful uh, and and Relief Society presence in here can really speak to this. How important is it as a Relief Society president to have the love and support of counselors or board members that step up and take things and run things, even though they don't have the callings? Big deal, right? Okay. So, teach it, everybody. Now, he is going to get into this, and, and, I, and I do want to mention this, that this is part of that. Okay, here it comes. We're going to bring everybody together. One thing we have to do is that we all have to act within our callings. We mean within our gifts. Within our particular strengths. Then he's going to say, so do that. And then it's interesting to me that the Lord drops into this discussion a parable. You don't find, there are only a couple of parables in all the doctrine and covenants. But it's a parable and here it is. And it comes right at this moment about coming out from the enemy, being saved, being gathered. But once we're gathered together, what, what do we need to be aware of? Verse 25, And I say unto you, let every man esteem his brother as himself. 26, here's the parable. For what man among you having twelve sons is no respecter of them? And they serve him obediently. And he saith unto one, be thou clothed in robes and sit thou here, and to, a, and to the other, be thou clothed in rags and sit thou there, and looketh upon his sons and saith, I am just. What's he trying to say here? Don't play favorites. Don't play favorites. Number one, because there's about three layers to this thing. Well, I think, too, I mean, and this kind of goes back to people who will complain about, well, I have all these gifts and I'm not appreciated. And if we're looking at callings as, well, you were given this calling because you're so fantastic, yep. we're missing the right. point. Heavenly right, Father right. doesn't play favorites. He doesn't do it that way. 
He uses us for what he needs us to do, for the gifts that we need to have personally, individually, and as a ward and a church family. And he, and he says, and he's going to say, you know, and I've given you this parable, and, and, and it is, and listen how he says this. He's not going to talk about this is how I feel, or this is the way I look at these things. He says, behold, I have given unto you as a parable, and it is even as I am. Here is my nature. This is, this is who I am. Not just an act, not just a behavior. This is who I am. I am one. I say unto you, be one. And if you are not one, you are not mine. In other words, you're going to love all equally. I, to me, this is kind of like another version of doing what Jesus would Yeah. Yes. Now he's going to give you one more layer. So there's the layer that says, uh, "I need to love everybody equally," which which is isn't that really hard? Don't we have our favorites? <laughs> we do. And in, and in a war, aren't some people easier to talk to, and others are a little more awkward? And some are more like us, and some are not like us. I think our, I don't know about your war, but I think our war is represented by about six or seven different nations. Coming from way different parts of the globe. You know, we have a Chinese group with us, and they're coming from all over. And so I get that it's sometimes it's in a diverse population, it's easy to kind of stick with our own and... and and have favorites and people who like me say, no, you got to be one. We've got to find a way. It's one of the things that the Lord, that the church struggles with. Do we create a Spanish ward or branch separate from the regular ward? And they kind of slid these days more towards doing them, but I know at certain points, I know James E. Faust was one of those that said, we should do less of those because we get segmented more out. And I know they struggle with that. Because the idea is to be one. Okay? Now, there's another layer though. And I need you to see this. Now, I give unto the church, verse 34, I give unto the church in these parts a commandment that certain men among them should be appointed and they should be appointed by the voice of the church. And we're about to meet one of those in, in our last few minutes. And they shall look to the poor and needy and administer to their relief that they shall not suffer and send them forth to the place which I have commanded them. Okay? What's he saying? Yeah. You're going to have to take care of the poor. And the needy. Okay. Now, how are we going to do that? Why are we going to do that? We're being asked to do a lot. Okay. One last verse I want to kind of pick on here if I can. And it's the very last verse here. Because we have heard, we've heard this phrase before. Go ye out from among the wicked, save yourselves 
How be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord? Now, by the way, anybody? Raise your hand. Sorry, I can't see. If you're in young women's, what does this mean? Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Chastity. Be modest. If you're trying to prepare somebody to go to the temple, what does this mean? Be temple worthy. Right. But there are things that we're supposed to do. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Okay. I need you to look at this verse just a little bit differently, though. Because there are actually two different versions of this vessel thing. Okay? You ready? Version number one. It's the New Testament version of vessels. Because so much of the new of the, the world at that time was Hellenized, it was Greek. The Greek version of the body was that the body was a temporary vessel for the spirit. Okay? And so that's why a lot of times in the New Testament you get all these things that suggest to uh, take care of the wife as the weaker vessel. In other words, vessel is used as the same name as a body. Okay? And it holds... So be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord that have these bodies. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, what was the vessels of the Lord? That they were bearing. What was it? It's what? Yes, was a vessel. What else was in the temple? The candlestick. Okay, was shoe bread. The the labor. The cups. When it says when Nebuchadnezzar came in and and they hauled. And they, they raised the temple. What did they haul off? The vessels of the Lord is what they stole. One of the reasons why Babylon was destroyed was that Nebuchadnezzar's son was having a drunken party with what? The vessels of the Lord. Okay, now, let me ask you. Be ye clean, ye that... Bear, meaning what? Carry the vessels of the Lord. Knowledge. Knowledge. We're getting closer now. Look at uh, Acts nineteen, Acts nine fifteen. This is Paul. He, he hath authority from the chief priests that bind and call thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. He is a chosen vessel, Paul, to do what? Bear my name. Oh, missionaries. Be ye clean, ye that bear what? His name. Does that make sense? 
Be ye, and, and what, by the way, when do we do that? Baptism, the sacrament, and then the sacrament is really specifically saying, according to Elder Benor, that when we agree to take upon his name, we will go where to do that? To the temple. And then we will walk out of the temple endowed with power and with his name. Be ye clean, you that bear his name. Because you have responsibilities. Now, let me take it one step farther. What was in the vessels? Of, of oil. And the oil is symbolic of what? Sacred. Christ's blood. Christ's blood. Remember? Remember when the, when, the, when the wine press comes down and it's secreting out the oil that it comes out red? And that that is his blood. And so, like the other night, I'm assisting, I'm assisting my bishop in giving a blessing. And we poured consecrated oil on their head. The oil was symbolic of Savior's blood. That we would then put our hands on it. And it's, it's his blessing. And we're doing it in his name. Be ye clean. You who bear his name. Now, sister, you go, well, I don't have the priesthood. In his name and in his power, do you go out and minister? Oh, man. What you do in babysitting and what you do in loving somebody and listening and visiting, teaching and taking meals to somebody and, and being that listening ear. It's as if you're bearing, he would do that, wouldn't he? You're bearing his name. You're bearing his blood. You are bearing... His vessels. Be ye clean. Those of you who are going to go out. And he says, and by the way, this is part of having power against the adversary and what he's going to come and try to do. Be ye clean. You who bear his name. If we can see that, then everything else in terms of how we dress and our food storage and everything, all that stuff begins to make much more sense because it's mundane stuff but we're trying to prepare ourselves we're trying to be clean okay does that make sense okay we got 10 minutes <coughs> Brigham Young a perfect oneness will save a people because intelligent beings can only become perfect one by acting upon principles that pertain to eternal life. Only truth and righteousness can secure those who are sanctified by it, can dwell in celestial glory. And, and so, by the way, sisters, the, that awkward guy you're married to that doesn't always do things very well sometimes and leaves the toilet seat up and, and all that stuff, for him to be celestialized, all that stuff gets taken care of in the eternities. He will be better, we will be better there than we are here. And vice versa. Okay? Okay. Last one. Why don't you turn to, to DNC 41 for a second. I've mentioned before 
that if, if any of you go to Nauvoo, most of you will miss, I think, the highlight of Nauvoo. And it's up at the top of Party Street, about a mile and a half to the old burial ground. President Hinckley's favorite spot in Nauvoo left in the temple. Remember, it's the land that we gave up part of the Independence Temple plot to get. The old burial ground. There shouldn't be any cows grazing in there at the moment. There's a field on the other side of those. Yeah, you can walk to the headstones and they're in the trees and, and all that kind of stuff. Sacred ground. Oh, um, part of when you go through the, the the only name that you'll probably recognize in there is this headstone of Edward Partridge. And it's the only big headstone. All the, the rest are small uh, and I could go on and on about the very ground. But talking about Edward Partridge. If you look at Where do we run into Edward Partridge, by the way? Anybody remember from history? Who was Edward Partridge? He was bishop. Before he was bishop, he was running the store. Running the store. So it's the middle of the winter. Joseph puts Emma in a sleigh. They take off for Kirtland. They pull into town pull up right in front of the Edward Partridge store. Joseph walks in the door and says what? You prayed me here. And, the, and, and Brother Partridge says, well, I, you have the advantage of me, sir. You, know, those old ladies. you have the advantage of me, sir. I do not know your name. I am Joseph the prophet. And you prayed me here. What would you have me to do? Edward Partridge was, he knew Sidney Rigdon. Uh, he had jo just joined the church. He was part of the Brethren. Uh, he just, so he had just been accepting the Book of Mormon. Uh, but Joseph walks in, never laid eyes on him. He knew it was true and joined. Never seen the prophet. Here comes the prophet. He prayed me here. Thou art the man. And, and Edward immediately takes him to his house, him, him and Emma. and gives him a place to stay. Okay, and that store will become kind of the temporary church headquarters until we get to the John Johnson house. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, now, I want you ahead of this, hop over, we got time to do this, I want you to turn over to John 1, 45. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, giving a sense that they are looking for the Savior, right? Of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. He's here. We've been looking. I guess why I went to Nathanael. We found him, and... Nathaniel's response, and sometimes we've applied it to other people, but it was actually applied to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's response is, is there 
any good thing that can come out of Nazareth. Alan? Alan? Plano? Really? There is a prophet on the earth. Where? He's in Salt Lake City. Really? Okay, this doesn't... Nazareth? Really? And then I love Philip's response. Come see. Savior will often use this himself, won't he? I'll make you fishers of men, really? Come and see. Peter, why don't you come out and walk on the water? Can I do this? Come. Just come. Basically, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. And I want you to keep this picture in mind. The Savior's being Nathaniel, but I also want you to keep the parallel picture in mind. Joseph walking in the store. Edward Partridge. Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel saith, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? And he says, before Philip called thee, that was under the fig tree. I saw thee. I've seen you in vision. And Nathaniel's response, this man without guile and a pure heart, his response is what? Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. That's what no guile means. The ability because of a pure heart to trust. The, the ability of a pure heart to love. Simply and cleanly and powerfully and to know truth from there. Thou hast no God. Now, we go back to DNC 41. Again, verse 9, I have called my servant Edward Partridge I, I, and I give a commandment that he should be appointed by the voice of the church and ordained what? Yeah. Wouldn't it make sense that you would take the one with Bill Guy and make him a bishop? Unto the church to leave his merchandise and to spend all his time in labors of the church. To see to all things as it shall be appointed unto him in my laws, and that day I shall give them. Eleven, and this because his heart is pure. For he is like unto Nathan. in whom there was no God. I believe that one of the blessings of being Latter-day Saints and one of the blessings that come from being able to be aware of one another, and if you've ever served in any kind of calling where you have to rely on other people, you discover really quickly and Nathaniel's in the church. And the Edward Parkinson's of the church. 
in whom there is no God. And with a pure and powerful and simple love, they just serve. And they may not be great at playing the piano, but they love and they bless and they bear with honor the vessels they bear. And the rest of us are blessed because of it. There my testimony that that is the great blessing. If there is a greater gift than this, I don't know what it is. This gift of not having God. And it's my prayer that the atonement will change us and transform us to get to that point. And I leave you with, with that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be at Institute this morning to be able to gather together and to learn from Mother Nikki. We appreciate his preparation and time that he gives to teaching us and enlightening us and edifying us. We are grateful, Heavenly Father. For this lesson we've learned this morning, we are working for our families who support us as we serve in thy kingdom and the opportunities we have to teach and bless each other. We are grateful for uh, callings that allow us to serve each other and each other's families.
got a three-year-old that's screaming, jumping out of car seats, screaming my name right now, and it's killing me from the inside out. Um, and could, could you meet me tomorrow morning? Today? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll get with my, I'll yeah. do what I gotta do. I'll call her grandmother, which I've been kind of putting off when I talk to you, but yeah. Okay. I'll meet you tomorrow morning. Okay. Um, do you want to meet with both of them or just kiss you about Just me right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's start, let's start. Okay. I'll. Okay. Have you got the address? Uh, give it to him. Yeah, sorry I missed your class. I, Heather had a GYN appointment this morning and decided to uh, listen to the baby's heartbeat and all that stuff. My bishop is willing to pay for it and he's tried to email you in the past because we've tried to contact you in the past. And, uh, so I explained to him 